Hello, Ambush, and welcome to this episode of the Desert Tiger Podcast. Here with me, your host, Colton G. And today on the show, we are joined by DJ, producer, and turntablist, Sarah Sims. Oh, yes. Today with Sarah, we're diving in behind her growth as a DJ, as a producer, from her beginnings as a jazz guitarist going into the creation of her record label, Symmetry Sounds, and how she has been growing that from there. I'm going to dive into a couple of the songs that Sarah has been working on from a reimagining of the Terrence Parker classic Love Has Got Me High, all the way to a recent track called Creator with Melafresh, a recent guest on the show, where Sarah also created an NFT, two NFTs actually, for this track. So we're going to dive into that process as well. And then we're also going to talk about Sarah's work with groups like Native Instruments with Mixed In Key, some of the workshops that she does to help pass down some knowledge to new and up and coming DJs and to help to demo some of the latest equipment that is coming out into this world. Oh yes, all of this and oh so much more today with Sarah Sims and it's all brought to you by DesertTigerMerch.com where we are having a 20% off celebration sale for our 200th episode but you gotta hurry on because it only goes down until may 28th oh yes and now that you know who the show's brought to you by now that you know who our guest is it's about time that we jump into this conversation with sarah sims so let's go the Desert Tiger Podcast. Hello. Hello, Sarah. Colton, how are you? I am fantastic. It's a bright, beautiful, sunny morning here in British Columbia. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. Ah, very glad to hear. We also have a nice sunny day in Toronto, so grateful for that. Ooh, ooh, sunny across Canada, hopefully, I mean. <laughs> Yeah, we all need the sunshine. Do we ever? Do we ever? Good vibes for everybody. Absolutely. Fantastic. Fantastic. I'm glad that we could join here today. I've heard so many good things about you in my recent conversation with Mela Fresh, and I did jump into that Clubhouse chat that you guys did on last week as well, so... I've heard your voice a couple times, so it'll be exciting to sort of get to know you a bit better here today. Well, thank you so much for coming to our Clubhouse chat. You know, we were really grateful to have you there and, and, and you know, participate and be interested in, in finding out more about our NFTs and NFTs in general. It was a very informative chat for sure. It's, uh, it was supposed to be an hour, but there was just so much information that we ended up going for so much longer i learned a ton during that yeah it was good we had harry jump onto the conversation and enlightened us all right 
Yes, he uh, definitely uh, took things to a next level for sure. <laughs> awesome. And I do want to jump into your NFT with Mel here today. But of course, I want to go through a couple of other things. So are you ready to jump on in? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to start. Okay. Okay. So of course, I want to lay a little bit of a foundation down for the listener here just so they can get a little bit of a better idea of who Sarah Sims is, where you come from. So from my research, I see that you grew up in a very musical family, and it was actually jazz guitar that you were playing beforehand, and you can actually hear it in a couple of your songs. But it's when did the DJ role, the producer role, and specifically the turntablist role sort of interest you? Well... As you said, I grew up playing jazz guitar, and for all intents and purposes, I thought that was going to be my my chosen path until I went to a rave when I was in my late teens, and that really changed everything for me. I was just so drawn into the electricity that was going on and the vibe and and what the DJ was doing up on stage. Like it just looked so cool, it, like. A lot cooler than playing jazz guitarists, as cool as jazz guitarists. <laughs> so I think from that point in my life, I decided if there was one thing I was going to try to do, I was going to try to be a DJ. Okay. So it was all just in that formative moment of going to that first rave. And I mean, I myself, I remember my first rave because you hear all these things about it and what it's supposed to be. And then you get there and it's like, okay, like there's like a lot of negative perception about these things. And it's like, this is just a good time. Let's go. <laughs> so just to continue the story on a little bit, I had to start learning about DJing somewhere. So I used to like to hang out in record stores. And at the time, like graffiti was also really interesting. Uh, I have a younger sister who's an artist and I was trying to get her into a graffiti career. So we used to hang out in like little, uh, this little graph shop where you could buy the spray paint cans. And they also sold some records there. And the guy who was working at the record store, he had some DMC tapes and he knew I was a DJ. I was there buying drum bass and hip hop records. And he said, Sarah, you know, you should really check this out. I think you, you would really like this stuff. So I went out on a whim and, and started buying like DMC and also the Vestex battles and became really interested in, in learning more about turntablism. So that's really how I got into DJing was scratching and, and being a turntablist. And yeah, yeah, it was a, it all started as a hobby for me, you know, just the love of DJing and the love of the music. Wow. Wow. And that's, um, it's turntablism, I'd say is a very underappreciated art for sure. In it's not as many people do it as you probably have seen 15, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And it was one thing that I was very pleased to hear when I checked out one of your uh, sets online on your YouTube pages. In the first song, I start hearing scratching, and I'm like, wait, 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 let me look at the video again. I was like, you're actually going at it. And I was like, oh, wow, this is really adding that next element to this performance. Yeah, I would say, like, scratching has always been an underground art. 
But I certainly come from the time when turntablists were big stars as well. And when I started raving, like the turntablists were booked alongside all the big DJs, all the headlining DJs at the rave. So I think in the past couple of years, it's certainly kind of gone out of style a little bit, right? But the sound is still dope, right? So I think it really takes DJs to keep the culture alive, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Is how do you preserve this art form is people have to do exactly that. They have to continue learning it, progressing it, pushing it to new boundaries for it to continue to be not just be alive, but also progress. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Awesome. So one thing that I also really want to jump into is you have your record label, Symmetry Sounds, which sort of like Melafresh, who we talked about earlier, started her own label to sort of have a little bit more control, a little bit more of a hand inside of her own career direction. Is that why you started Symmetry Sounds? And how far along in your DJ journey were you when you created this label? Well, I started Symmetry Sounds, I guess, about five years ago. And it's still certainly a growing label but one I would like to continue growing in the future. I started up because a lot of people who I respect in music have always kind of started their own thing and birthed their own business, right? And I think if you know a couple things about the business, right, you're able to release your productions and tracks independently in the way you want to put them out there. Right. And you can choose, you know, when a track is done, you have control over that. Uh, You can choose what the artwork is going to look like. Right. And you can choose how you want to market your track. Right. So you certainly have a lot more, uh, you have a lot more creative control over how your music is presented to the world. Uh, that being said, you also have a lot, a lot more challenges, right? Because there's a lot more things you need to do on your own in order for your music to be heard, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. As you mentioned, there's artwork, there's how to market and everything else. And yes, when someone else is maybe making those decisions, someone else is maybe handling a lot of those. But when you're in control of your own product your own sound you either have to build your own team to help you do that or else you are every aspect of the that production studio you're not just the musician anymore yeah no that's for sure Mm -hmm. it's you know every every musician who's out there and independent has to look at like running their musical career like a small business right So it's not just music, you know, if you're in the music business, right, there's, there's a lot to learn, right? It is a business for sure. And that scares off a lot of people. Yeah. But once you power through, you get to do a little bit more. And once you learn, once you grow, so that was about five years ago so i want to move progress a little bit more into the now this last year because 
You mentioned going to raves and otherwise, and you as an artist have had the chance to play at quite a few big name festivals and otherwise. But over this last year, we've sort of had to shift from that live event, the rave, the festival into a live stream. So what has that been like for you? Well, I would say it it certainly hasn't been an easy journey, right? I'm primarily a live performer and I've always done a lot of shows, right? So I'm, I'm really used to having that connection with audience and with people, right? And I think for a performer, that's, that's really an integral part of who we are, what we do, right? I'm not just a recording artist. I want to be a live artist. Right. I think you have the ability to touch more people like that. So it was definitely like the streaming thing was a a big learning curve. I made sure that I got educated about how to use OBS and how to stream very early on in the game. And I was inspired by artists like Kelvin Harris, who was the first guy that I saw using a green screen in the background. So I wanted to do that um, and have kind of cool backgrounds. So last year was more kind of finding out about how to do that and and mastering how to do that in a small space because I don't live in a really big place. And with the lockdown, you know, you can't leave where you are, right? So there were certainly some challenges to face there. And I also focused a lot more kind of this year on just learning more about my craft as a producer. I've been streaming a little bit less and actually spending more time in the studio, just going back to some of the basics and also learning more about sound design. So really making sure that it, my chops are are sharp as a producer. And that's what I've been focusing on this year a little bit more rather than streaming. But with lockdowns being lifted here in Canada, you know, I hope to get a few at least a few streams in during the summer okay okay get a few streams in and hopefully by the time the fall comes maybe maybe even be inside of a club yeah well we'll see what happens right exactly it's hard to plan especially in this past year where it's there's been a couple false starts already so you don't want to get too excited even though you see other people already announcing tours yeah well, I think it's a personal choice for everybody, right? That for for us Canadians, it's it's not really a viable option at present time, right? But I think as we transition back into the world functioning regularly, normally again, right? Like when you go back as a performer or when you go back as as a club attendee, right, is really a personal choice because you have to feel comfortable and safe about being on either side of the coin there, right, either performing or being on the dance floor. So, Yeah, that's something that I was talking to somebody about the other day is I feel like there's almost going to be like those first couple of shows, there's going to be like those groups of people who have to like take moments to be like, all right, I'm overwhelmed by how many people there are. I need to go outside for a moment. Just get some air, some space. All right, maybe I, I'll go back into the crowd. for. Okay, I got to go back out and get my space. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I think things are going to be a little different, but I also think that when everything really comes back to life, it's also going to be a very busy time because people who haven't been to shows for a while are really going to want to go, right? So it's going to be a busy time for for DJs, for musicians, for performances. So I think that as artists get mentally prepared for that. Well, the industry has been held back and we haven't received a whole lot of support from government or whatever it may happen to be. So, I mean, it only makes sense that a lot of the industry is ready to get out there and a lot of people have been cooped up inside their houses. And I mean, it's great to dance inside of your house. It's a wonderful space, but at the same time, it's just not quite a dance floor. No, no. I mean, nothing, nothing will ever take the place of dancing with your friends, dancing with strangers, you know, being at peace in in an environment where you're hearing great music. You know, that's just, it's a really natural, soulful experience. That's an integral part of, of being human, right? Like we, we need music. It's cleansing, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's energizing, you know, it's one of the joys of being alive. Right. So I think everyone is looking forward to that experience again. Mm -hmm. It's rhythm speaks to the heartbeat. It speaks to the mind. It's, it's something that has just existed in human culture and human nature for pretty much forever. So it's, it's pretty much undeniable. Yeah. All right. So I'd love to talk about some of the music, specifically some of the latest tracks that you have been crafting and releasing here. And one track that, of course, catches my attention is you recently released a reimagining of the Terrence Parker classic, Love's Got Me High. So how did this opportunity come about? Because you released it on Terrence's label. Yeah. So I heard that track a couple years ago. This was not a new track that I released. I actually made the song about two or three years ago. And I, I made it, I just heard the music, right? I heard Terrence's version of, of Love's Got Me High just on YouTube one day. And I thought, what a wonderful song. I'm really inspired to create my own interpretation of this with more modern production. And at the time I was working with my friend Desire, who's a wonderful R&B artist and singer, and we were recording another song. And I, during the recording session, I said, hey, you know, um, actually it was before the recording session. I said, how do you feel about doing this other track too? I'm working on this other thing. And I, I was wondering if I could talk him into doing this track with me. So anyways, I was successful. And he said yes. Luckily, he said yes. And and we decided that we kind of wanted to redo the lyrics a little bit to make them a little more modern, a little sexier. So we did that and we recorded the track. And it is what it is. I think it's a it's a cool song. It's very soulful. A lot of elements were inspired by uh, Calvin Harris's production, some of his TV 303 lines and some of his drum programming. So if you listen closely, you'll certainly hear my my Calvin Harris influence in that track. 
And I had the pleasure of connecting with Terrence during a live stream that I did for a, a great promotion group in Detroit called Paxahow. And we kept in touch after. And I said, like, hey, I did a, a recreation of one of your songs. Would you like to have a listen to it? So I sent it to him. And he really loved it. And I asked him if he would be open to putting it out. And he said yes right away. So the track was finally able to have a home with kind of the person, well, with the person that it belongs with. So, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful that that song is out there. Um, it's certainly a little bit different than some of my other work. But, you know, it also came from me. So, Well, it's always good to explore different sounds as we grow and you never know how we're going to be inspired some days too right yeah no that's for sure uh, one thing about that track i really think that you know desire was really the cherry on the top for all that because he just did a bang up job with the vocals he did a beautiful job singing on the track and, and writing on the track too so you know hats off to him you did an incredible job. And I know that you mentioned like the Calvin Harris aspect, but like the vocals almost reminds me of like a Billy Newton Davis in a way. And like, that's what like really connected me with the track. Yeah, he's um, he's certainly my Billy Newton Davis. That's a very good comparison. Awesome. Awesome. So, of course, I want to continue talking a little bit about some of this music let's talk about a track that's a little more your own much more your own i guess we could say with creator here it saw you team up with one mella fresh on the vocals so where did this track where was it born from when did you figure mella fresh is the perfect person to have on it how did it all come together well i started working on the idea for the track last late, late last fall i wanted to make something that had some drum and bass a, a techno track that had some drum bass influences on it and i was actually inspired by watching some youtube sound design tutorials by a great toronto producer named stranger and i just started working on this track and i can hear different people like on on my beats as i'm making them right and I usually have a very clear idea of which artist I'd like to work with. So I, right away, I heard Melly's voice on this track. So I reached out to her. I said, Hey, you know, would you like to do a song with me? And she said, sure. I'd love to. So we started writing the lyrics. I wanted to make them a little bit abstract and kind of catchy and memorable. And I also wanted to slip in a, a reference to turntablism as well. So we got that in there. There's a line in the song, it's called, uh, it says, work the crossfader. So the crossfader is the bottom part on a, on a DJ mixer that a turntablist would work. So yeah, and we did, uh, we recorded the vocals at my place and the session was really easy. Mel's really easy to work with. And we've had a very long friendship. And so, you know, we just recorded the lyrics and, and uh, she went home and I recorded my lyrics and, and that was it. And my friend, John Lamagna, he did some, uh, some additional production on the track and also mixed the track. He's a Juno award-winning producer. 
So he was able to kind of pull together uh, everything that, you know, all the different elements and, and just create a cool mix with it. So that was creator. All right. All right. So when did the idea to create an NFT for this project come along? Well, this is another thing that that 2021 Burlong is is um, this NFT boom kind of came out of nowhere for the music world. You know, NFTs they've been around in the art world for several years, right? But I don't think many people in the music community were really aware of what they were until this year, right? I mean, I certainly wasn't. And I was working on a, a video project for Creator. Because I wanted to do something with um, Mel is really into red lipstick, as am I. We're both fans of that. So I thought, okay, what what would the visuals for this track be? They would be something to do with red lips. And I my I told my little sister, who's also my creative director, you know, I have this idea to do something with red lips, and she says, Sarah, try to find a makeup artist like on on YouTube or you know Instagram that can help you out and. Because we were still in the lockdown, right? It was like impossible to film a video here in Canada, right? So she says, try to find someone online who can make this for you. So I found this great artist in the Ukraine, and her name is Tatushka Makeup. She does just lipstick art. So we started working on a video project with her, and she was making everything over in the Ukraine. And as we're making this project, all this NFT stuff started like really coming to light, right? And I have a couple of friends who were very early to kind of get into the audiovisual NFT. I have a friend in LA, his name is Drasko V, and he started putting out these really cool uh, NFTs that he had made, just different audiovisual creations of dinosaurs and tapes. And then I have another friend, Clarion who released the first NFT album. He's a Montreal producer who's based in Toronto. So I have these, you know, friends in the community who were making these. And as they're working on kind of these early projects, we start to hear about a very big artists like Blau and like Calvin Harris and, and who else were some of the early ones like Grimes, Shawn Mendes, all these big artists making NFTs, right? So it's like, what is this stuff? Like, I want to find out more about it. It sounds really cool. So I started doing more research and talking to my friends more and trying to find out more information. And I thought, oh, it'd be cool to turn the creator project into an NFT because it's already a video. So, and on my journey, I started to learn that um, just more about cryptocurrency because you can buy NFTs generally with cryptocurrency uh, rather than regular currency, right? So I discovered that one of the main currencies, Ethereum, that you buy these NFTs with are very energy intensive, which is not something that resonates that well with me. I want to be conscious of, of how much energy, you know, all my activities are, are taking up and consuming. So I wanted to find an alternative, uh, an alternative currency that people could buy my NFT on something that was sustainable and I could feel good. So I found a smaller kind of like arts focused site called Hick and Nuke and decided to release the NFT 
on that site. And it's a site that uses a currency called Tezos, which is uh, made in a different way. Um, it's, it's called a proof of stake rather than proof of work. And it's more sustainable for our world kind of long term. So, yeah, <laughs> this year was a big learning experience about NFTs, Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, and how all these, these, um, these new types of currency and these new formats are going to affect our music culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's quite the world to jump into because like you say, it's, oh, okay, so you can get this one cryptocurrency for it, but then you learn like, You've got computer farms essentially mining Ethereum and it's they're just going all the time, power running all the time, 24-7. Whereas, and then you learn like everything else about this market. So it's pretty good on you just not to, not just want to jump in, but to want to jump in properly and make sure that you're doing the right steps to make sure that you're continuing to do the things that you believe in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, I think it's a personal choice for everyone, but you know, our, our choices do have an effect on society, right? So you want to make sure that you're just okay with everything that you're doing, right? Because sometimes we don't always think about the effect of of something, especially in the digital world, and and when it pertains to electricity, right? Things that are invisible are kind of easy to forget about, right? So. Very, very true. Even if it's invisible, that doesn't mean that it doesn't have an impact on the world that we currently live in. So it's awesome that you could do it. And it's a very, very amazing looking NFT. Um, The makeup artist, I've I will definitely butcher her name if I try to pronounce it myself, but the makeup artist did... Pardon? Tatushka. Okay. Yeah, she did... Tatushka did an incredible job because this looks amazing. Yeah, she did She did a very good job. She's a talented girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, for anyone who's interested, you can check her out online. Her Instagram is tatushka underscore makeup. Okay, I will. F- Your mind will be blown because she does art on the, just on the lips. All right, I will find that link. I will post it down in the description below in both the video and audio version. So if you want to check that out, definitely go ahead and do so. So, Sarah, do you happen to own any NFTs yourself? Yes, I do. Okay. Okay. So you've invested inside the market. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I own so far one NFT. I'm certainly open to buying more once I have a little more time to, you know, to browse through what's available. And it's, uh, it's some beautiful cherry blossom art. Ooh. It's a picture from Japan. So. Okay. Okay. Nice. I was wondering if it was a music nft but it's a photograph nft then yeah yeah because nfts can be can be anything right anything digital so yeah i think it's important for people who are making them you know to buy at least at least one so you can see what the user experience is of 
purchasing one, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You want to know what you're getting into or potentially what your fan is getting into as well. Yeah. And I mean, why would you want to make something that you don't want to own, right? Very, very true. You want to know that you support the market, that you are stepping inside of for sure. It's something that you believe in. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I think it's cool. Um, For someone like myself, I'm not a huge collector of actual physical things. You know, my record collection as a DJ over the years has like really shrunken in size just because I don't always want to be burdened down by just having like a million things around me. So to own something digital to me, you know, is, is a cool idea, right? Because you can have a collection of things, but they're not things that you necessarily have to put in a box with you when you move somewhere, right? Crates and crates and crates and crates of records. Yeah, it's a collection that, you know, it can come with you no matter where you are, right? So I think for someone who's interested in art, you know, it can be very soothing. And if you go to Barcelona, if you go to Brazil or something and you want to feel at home, you know, you could just look at your digital collection, right? Very, very true. You can just put it on your physical wallet, which if you're owning an NFT, I highly suggest that you get a physical wallet (laughs) and you can take it wherever you want with you. You can lock it up in a safe, whatever works with you. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Wow. You've educated us a little bit on NFTs here today, and I thank you very much for that. And you also actually happen to do a little bit of workshops, a little bit of helping to teach otherwise. And you also work with groups like native instruments uh work in key so what is it like to sort of continue to progress and help grow the industry that you work in this way as well as sort of teach and mentor some of that next wave of djs well i've always been as an artist um, interested in new musical technology and open to using new formats you know, I'm not afraid to be the first person to try something new. And I think as as musicians, especially as electronic musicians, you know, we need to be open to working with whatever is new that, you know, comes into the world, right? That's invented. So I've always, yeah, I've had a lot of respect for um, for any company that I work closely together with. And you know, I've been very blessed to work with both Native Instruments and Mixed in Key very closely. Um, both, I've worked with both companies for a long time. Native Instruments, uh, I was able to produce last year a video for my YouTube featuring their S3, their Control S3, which is a DJ controller that has a lot of cool effects. So I like to use a lot of effects when I DJ. And the way that uh, my team and I presented the tutorial was was kind of like an effects tutorial. So it was a performance, but also a tutorial video. So someone could be entertained watching it, but also the DJs could actually learn to use the controller and learn to use some of the effects, which are 
sometimes intimidating for, for people to delve into, right? If you don't know what all these buttons do, right? So it's important to, to share that information, right, with people. And with Mixed in Key, I, I work as their workshop leader. And I'm also their Captain Plugins and now Satellite Plugins uh, mentor and trainee. So I work with all different schools all over the world and put on workshops featuring our plugins. And we just released a brand new series of plugins called Captain Plugins that allows producers and musicians to collaborate together in any DAW. And it's a, it's a free series of plugins. So we put it out there for the music community because we know that the past year has been very challenging for people. So we wanted to give people a way that they could produce music together, regardless of what DAW they're using, and, and invite different people to the session, communicate with people in the session. So I have been teaching artists, DJs, producers, students all over the world how to use these these plugins. Wow. And I apologize. I said working key earlier. It is a mixed in key. But that is incredible. Like I get chills just even thinking about that, where it's just that's opening up, like being able to just use all these different DAWs and like not even having to worry about okay, but what are you using? It's just like, okay, I can just send the files and we can make this work. Like, that is incredible. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's a project that I've been working on for this year, right? And it's going really well so far. I think a lot of the future of music is going to be online collaboration, right? as the world becomes more and more digital, right? We're able to, to work together with, with people in different time zones, different countries. And Satellite Plugins is one of the first plugins that allows that. Wow. Wow. And I definitely agree. I think that this last year has definitely proved that you don't have to be in the same city as somebody else to be able to create beautiful music. Yeah, I mean, you can be based anywhere, right? Mm -hmm, For sure, for sure. Continuing to solve problems, adapting and conquering whatever the world throws at us because art is unstoppable, baby. All right. All right. So we've talked a lot, a little bit of the past, this past year. Now I want to know, what does the rest of 2021 hold here for Sarah Sims for Symmetry Sounds? Certainly more production. A lot more producing. I'm going to finish studying up on some sound design and I'm already working on some new tracks. So. Yeah, I'm just going to be laying a little bit low in the studio and working on some more projects while I have the time still before things get really busy with performances. And I'm not sure 
when exactly that will be, but I know when that gate opens, I feel like it's going to be a flood. So I'm, you know, I'm taking advantage of the time to work on some new tracks and, and to really spend some time developing my sound. Okay. Okay. Really making sure that everything's concrete for when you finally do get out there, making sure that your set list truly represents that Sarah Sims sound. Absolutely. All right, Sarah, I have had a blast chatting here today. I have one last question. Are you ready for it? Yes, I am. All right. So we've talked about your progression as a musician over these years, specifically the last year here. And now what I would like to know is over this past few years, how has this adaptation, this growth, this building your sound, how has it helped you grow as a human being? Or what has it taught you about yourself? That's an interesting question. As I mentioned before, you know, I really took uh, advantage of the time to be able to learn more. I, I was very grateful during this time that I was able to educate myself more about just really some nitty gritty production aspects. So I've, I've had the opportunity to learn from a lot of the world's best producers. I've been taking online workshops and also courses with uh, Martin Vurek, who's a very famous Dutch ghost producer. And I also studied an online course with DJ Anna and her husband Weba, two brilliant Brazilian producers. So I've had a, a great time learning and really furthering my craft. And what has it taught me? Uh, that I don't want to spend this much time alone again in my lifetime. <laughs> so it, it was kind of, it was unexpected, right? This whole, this whole lockdown. But, you know, to be honest, like, it's been very challenging, you know, just to be on my own so much, you know, separated from friends, from family, you know? So I think that's been that's been really tough on a lot of people. And I'm really looking forward to reconnecting with, with the world again, right? In a way that's not just digital, right? It's, I completely 100% agree with that sentiment because it's, there's no replacement for human connection and being able to communicate face to face with somebody whose presence you enjoy or somebody you love or whatever it happens to be. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, looking forward to reconnecting with friends and family and you know and meeting new friends too, right? Absolutely. There's going to be a whole lot of opportunities to do that, hopefully here in the near future. And hopefully I can be on one of those dance floors while you're rocking the house. Well, I'd love to have you. All right, Sarah, thank you so much for joining me here on the Desert Tiger podcast. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. And wish you a great rest of the day in Vancouver.
And just to anyone listening on the podcast, if you would like to connect with me online, I'm at Sarah Sims on all the socials. Facebook is DJ Sarah Sims, and you can find me on Spotify, on SoundCloud, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube too. So they definitely, definitely should. All right. Okay. Thanks so much. Oh, Ambush, thank you for tuning on into this episode of the DTP here with DJ, producer, and turntablist Sarah Sims. Yes, and you can find Sarah's work right now on your favorite music streaming service over on Beatport. Creator is exclusive to her band camp so you should definitely go and pick that up to support it and you can also find her nfts for this track through her Bandcamp page as well you can also find those links through sarah's social media and i highly suggest that you do follow her there as well and with that it is now time to thank the incredible Sarah Sims for joining us here on the Desert Tiger Podcast. And I have to thank Melafresh for helping to make this connection. So thank you, Mel. I need to thank a German at yourpodcasteditor.com for making everything sound so good. And I need to thank, once again, you, the ambush, because without you, we wouldn't have made it past 200 episodes of desert tiger oh my goodness and if you want to make sure that we continue to grow you can help this show if you've yet to join the am it's as easy as hitting subscribe on your favorite podcast listening app or service you can share this episode with your friends your family or on your social media and you can also give the show a five star a review on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio as well. And you can head on over to DesertTigerMerch.com to go and get yourself something while we're running this 20% off 200 episode celebration sale, which is going down until May 28th, 2020. One, so hurry on down. We also have new items coming very, very soon. Ooh, so until next time, go out and find your roar and then let it out into the world. Let them know how powerful, wondrous, and beautiful you really are. And until next time, bye-bye, Am Bush. Ooh. The Desert Tiger Podcast.